Let's get into it then. All right. Awesome sauce. I ask that the gods and goddesses of our respective paths bless this circle so that we may be free and protected within this space. And if you have this one word, pagan or paganism. For the pagan community. Exactly. Right. The, the big umbrella. And that was fucking fantastic. Of the podcast ever. We're three pagans. Exactly. We're three pagans. And a cat. And may the works this day of be of the highest good for all present and those listening. So mote it be. The circle is cast. Hail Dictinus. Grant us clear voices, strong sound, and good reads. It hardly matters why a library is destroyed. Every banning, curtailment, shredding, plunder, or loot gives rise, at least as a ghostly presence, to a louder, clearer, more durable library of the banned, looted, plundered, shredded, or curtailed. Welcome to Book Burning, the 176th episode of Three Pagans and a Cat. Our opening today is courtesy of former director of the National Library of Argentina, Alberto Manguel. Thanks to Velocity Rose for our intro music. You can find more of their work at VelocityRose.com. You may call me Ode. You can call me Carr. I'm Ode's father. Mary Meet. My name is Gwyn Ode's mother. Carr has returned returned. At least least briefly. Right. (laughs) Right. We got him this week. We've got him this week. <laughs> Hopefully for the next. Hopefully we'll continue to have him on the podcast. But this That's week it. we got him. We got him this week. <laughs> so before we get into housekeeping, general yep. notice, as you might be able to tell from the title and opening of this episode, we're going to be talking about the book burning and banning incidents that have been accumulating, right, that have been on the rise um, in the United States at the very least. So this is going to be a bit of a heavy topic. We're going to be talking about some very bad, unpleasant people. So if you don't have the spoons or the brain space or the energy to spare for this right now, or just the will, or just the will, yeah, to deal with it, that's fine. You do not have to listen to this episode. You can go ahead and just listen to some old, more feel-good stuff or wait for next week. But if you are ready to join us here, we're going to be talking about some real shitty people and how we think we should react to that. And and kind of the bigger topic mm-hmm. behind all of it. Yes. But before we get into that, housekeeping! Housekeeping! So last week, I did not read the names of all the patrons, because yeah. my hope was that Carr would come back and I could make him do it. <laughs> and lo, Carr has come back and I'm going to make him do it. It worked well. It was a good strategy. <laughs> it was a scheme. It was a scheme. It was the whole, oh yeah, I'll just read it and edit. Uh-huh. But mm-hmm. then I didn't. But then they didn't. Then I didn't. So now Carr has to do it. <laughs> Carr? Now that's only because you somehow convinced yourself that people actually like it when I do this. They They do! do. They do (laughs) like it when you do this. They complain when you don't. Yes! All the damn time! So... Now I am making you do it again. So, Carr, please read the names of all of our patrons. Fine. God damn it. All right. So there are 40 kittens. We love you, kittens. Yeah, we do. There are 33 cats, and they are Abby, Annabelle Lee, Arcane Jill, Ashley Harkins, Cabra, Cauliflower, Christine Phillips, Cindy Barrick, Claire K.R. Miller, Dylan Newcomb, Elisa Durka, M. Tala Safari, Aaron Kathleen, Firesong, Gabby Gaberson, Hannah, Jasmine Ray Bell, J.D., J.T., Kelly Burt, Ken Hub, Coney Briggs, Chris Mickelson, Laura Loki, Megan, Michael Adnazanguilovo, Nova Misco, Rebecca Hillman, Rhonda Graham, Sakura, Sorokoff, Squiggy, and the Dryad. <laughs> we, love you, we love you, cats. We love you, cats. And that's why everyone loves it when you read the names. 
We have 61 hunters. Okay, we're prepared. They are Alicia Noble, Alyssa Addy, Amy Martin, Andy Olson, Ashley Ann, Ben Walburn, Brianna Beep Boop, Cameron Grant, Cara B, Charles Howison, Woo, Corvus Fidelia, something like that, Crimson Russell, Delilah Darge, Darren, Daughter of Oak, David Dashfine Keys, Druidic Heart, Eden Flora, Elora Driver, Erica McVeigh, Goddess Incognito, Heather Lewis. Fuck, it's in Old Norse. <laughs> Hover, Hunter Jade, Jax, Jace Helmer, Jessica Jones, Jim Two Snakes, Jojo, Juniper Shadowcat, Justin Harrell, uh, Katie Hare, Christian Hankins, Kai Oakenshield, La Petite Poison, Laura, Laura, um, fuck. Morani <laughs> Lee Knapp, I don't know. Mock 2556, Marat, Megan Kipper, Mel Renee, Melissa Gerben, Melkor, Michaela, Nika, Patrick the Mystic Stitcher, Precious Fire, Ray Lothar, Rochella and Dashvid, Roanoke the Wiccan Wizard, Ryan Hopkins, Sammy Prouty, Samwise the Blonde, Shy B, Sky Bearcy, Sloth, Sophia Duncan, Stevie Thompson, Talia Franks, Usha Ursha, Venus Sheets, and Victoria Selness. We love you, Hunters. Yep. All right, 13 Leopards. They are Alex Robinson, Chris Colobri, Al Faithful, Gary Bearstorm, Gemma Atkinson, Jody Cozy, Kimberly, Squeaky, Reynolds, Kitty Robinson, Luna, Nicholas, Nolan Hayes, Shadow Raven 666, and Schwan. Fairy water. That's swan. <laughs> and we love you leopards. All right. We have four tigers. Amanda Hicks, Crystal of Apothecary Tees, Tree Wizard Creations, and Weavers of the Web ATC. We love our tigers. Mm-hmm. We have four panthers. Don Taylor, Elizabeth Bull, Melissa Negron Schilling, and QQ Ann. We love you panthers. And then we have four jaguars. Jaguar. They are Justin Stanage, Kirsten Ray, Lori Phillips, and Midnight Dove. Thank you to our Jaguars. Jaguars. That's it. I'm done. All right. That is all the patrons. That's it. All right. So thank you to all of our patrons. Your support is greatly appreciated. Yes, it is. Always. Always. Uh, Any other housekeeping that we have to do? Everything's been canceled because of COVID. So we have no further housekeeping. Nope. So we aren't even house kept and house swept. It, it's just no, it's just, there's just there's just no housekeeping to there's do. There's just nothing. Yeah. Nothing. Nothing going on. <laughs> the house is dusty, but yeah, we don't yeah, care. Pretty much. All right. In that case, it's time to start talking about our shitty topic for this That's week. That's right. So uh, if you're not aware, either because you live outside of the United States or because you've somehow managed to avoid the news coverage on it. In the last 10 days. Yeah. Yeah, longer than that, but whatever. Yeah, there, yeah. there's been... The book Burning is in the last two weeks. Right. The The book Banning has been going on since 2020. Well, for forever, but has picked up since 2021. Yes. There's been a lot of discussion recently about books being banned in schools in particular. And this is multiple states and multiple jurisdictions. Yeah. The big ones, I know there were about 800 books banned in Texas. Surprise, surprise. 
Yeah. Right. The incident we're going to be focusing a lot of attention on in this episode happened in Tennessee, but it's been honestly across the country. It's local school boards in a lot of cases. Sometimes mm-hmm. it's higher authorities like um, state senators and legislatures. Mm-hmm. But in a lot of cases, it's individual school boards are banning books that they find objectionable from public schools. It's from a particular worldview, current one that happens to be the dominant overlords of this country. <laughs> it's not even necessarily that it's Christians are banning books, because true. that's that's understating the matter. Well, that's true. What's happening is that books, especially written by people of color yeah. and by LGBTQ authors and by Jewish authors, especially if they're about the Holocaust. And progressive authors. Uh-huh. Are being removed from school libraries. Mm -hmm. So they're being removed from the access of children. That's right. Children, youth, young adults. Yes. Anybody who... All the way through high school. Yeah, all the way through. Because that's what they have the authority to ban books in. Mm -hmm. They can remove them from public schools. Probably some libraries that have, you know, in some smaller states. There have been some libraries that have had, have run into funding issues. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) But you see it predominantly talked about in the context of school libraries. Yeah. Which is terrible for a variety of reasons. Mm -hmm. But I guess before we get into the the nitty gritty of current events. Do we want to talk about sort of the history of censorship and knowledge banning? Yeah. I just wrote a blog post that uh, discusses this event, obviously the what's been going on. But one of the things that I you know made clear, hopefully mm-hmm. in, in that post is that book banning and even book burning and destruction, book destruction, just destruction of informational materials has been going on for thousands of years. It started as far back as the Assyrian Empire um, when their king, and I cannot pronounce his name, <laughs> created the Royal Library mm-hmm. in Nineveh. Um, and he would, he collected as much knowledge and and, you know, had things written down, not only from his own scribes and his own people, but also from anyone he conquered, people who were trying to curry favor, he would either take it or he'd get copies of it. But ultimately, when he was overthrown, his library was burned and destroyed so that that knowledge could not be passed on future generations. to future generations because knowledge as much as this is a is a cliche, knowledge is power. Mm-hmm. And so you you have in ancient China, there was a an emperor. He destroyed all of the manuscripts that were before his reign because he wanted history to start with him. Mm-hmm. When the Mongols attacked Baghdad in the 1200s, they destroyed all of their manuscripts. This is so. This is something that's been going on for generations and generations because. Anytime you you have someone who wants control, who wants power, they essentially, it's like they they take what came before, they destroy it, they, or they overwrite it, because that, that's that whole thing, you know, history is written by the victors. Yeah, kind uh, of controlling thing. the Contro- narrative. Controlling the narrative of what's going on. There's actually a really long history of book burning, of suppression of knowledge. The Christians did it in Rome after Mm -hmm. Constantine became emperor. Um, And it's not even always just like the conquering peoples come mm -hmm. and wipe out the text, the the written resources mm-hmm. of the people they're conquering. Sometimes it's in the same culture. Like Act, absolutely, the the ancient Egyptians yep. had incidents where the names of pharaohs were eradicated to their remove, faces. Yeah, their their faces were destroyed to remove their their legacy. presence, their legacy from 
history because mm-hmm. it was in some way objectionable or a threat to the current ruler. Mm-hmm. But it always does seem to come down to someone wanting to maintain control in some way or to mm-hmm. change the narrative to make themselves look better. In the modern era, the modern tw- mid 20th century, coming up to uh, 1933, while there was still book burning going on, It was really the Nazis who took it in a different direction. They made it a public spectacle. It wasn't just a part of of war or a change of dynasty or whatever. It was they specifically were trying to create a particular narrative where the perfect German culture and literature and purity of the German race, quote unquote, the Aryan race, that was the only thing that was allowed that could be preserved that could be preserved anything else whether it was jewish mm-hmm. or from gay writers of the day or any anybody who opposed the nazi regime or their beliefs or their or their, who was a threat to it or who anyway. was a threat to the nazi party in any way they had this mass burning mm-hmm. across germany it started in berlin And it was done consecutively over a period of time. And it it instilled in people either national pride or fear. Or terror. Or terror. It was the spectacle of it was a control mechanism. Exactly. It was it was the spectacle of it. It was a public ritual, if Mm -hmm. you will, a an announcement that we are in charge. This is and your thoughts essentially have to align with us or they will be put on this pyre and burned. Because even aside from burning the actual texts and mm-hmm. just removing access to that material. Exactly. Because in the 1930s, although the printing press existed, obviously. Oh, sure. Yeah. Uh, and, and books were fairly widely available. They weren't mm-hmm. as widely available as they are today. Mm-hmm. Still, it was easier to round up every copy or mm-hmm. most of in the a local area uh, in an area of an objectionable text and burn them. It was, it was still less about removing the text itself mm-hmm. and more about the threat yeah. of it. Because what happened with back in the day, thousands <laughs> of years ago, <laughs> way back in the way back, way back in the way back, texts were handwritten. Mm-hmm. They were hand copied. So they were precious and they were rare and especially when those were destroyed. And they, they were, were incredibly valuable. They were incredibly valuable, but they were also accessed to pretty much only the rich yeah. or to those who, like the kings mm-hmm. or depending on what culture you were in. But then in 1444, the printing press was created. Mm-hmm. And so it made it easier for books to be printed and then distributed. Yeah. And even then, though, it was still you know, largely the rich, the educated who had them. And then come a few hundred years later, there's improvements to printing. There's the French blue book. I was going to say, I was going to say, we, I remember we talked about this yeah. ages and ages ago. Yeah, the blue books, the, the blue the blue books pages. came out, the blue pages came out. And so it became easier to mass market produce writing. Mm-hmm. And so you started getting all these pamphlets. You started getting cookbooks and mm-hmm. political pamphlets tracks and tracks. And- and things knowledge was being disseminated to people in their own language and people Mm -hmm. were learning to read and and to write and things like that and so it was the advent of the printing press that made it possible for people to gain knowledge and to gain an understanding that things are moved and changed because of knowledge Mm -hmm. damn that gutenberg (laughs) (laughs) no we we love gutenberg for doing that because he did make knowledge more accessible Mm -hmm. but that's why the nazis 
could then come along and make this spectacle mm-hmm. of taking away that knowledge yeah. from people, restricting it and saying, no, you can only learn what we want you to learn. Yeah. The importance of the spectacle and the control mechanism of it there is what we're seeing now today, because now books are so widely distributed Mm -hmm. that it's almost impossible to completely remove one from circulation. Mm -hmm. Um, We also have things digitally copied. We do. Although there's, there's been some fights about that. Like we have books available in multiple languages across Mm -hmm. the world like it's going to be virtually impossible to or or very 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 difficult mm-hmm. to fully like eradicate a text unless you have a com- very tight complete control such as in countries as China mm-hmm. or in North Korea some of these uh countries where they have very tight censorship controls. Yeah. Like even then, they're only removing it from the area they have control of, right? right? Like mm-hmm. they can't remove it's the still, existence of the book. It still leaks in. So book burnings now are much, much more about the spectacle yes. and the emotional control mechanism mm-hmm. of it than they are about actually damaging any text. Yeah. And the interesting thing too is like back when in the 30s when book burning became a you know a, uh-huh. a symbol, the United States also had it a, a time mm-hmm. when they dealt with book burning, rollover from World War II. And in the 50s, they, you know, we had McCarthyism mm-hmm. and, and all these things. And, and it was that a same kind of control of ideas, of thoughts. It's, it's the physical expression of punishment for thought crime. Mm-hmm. And that's where uh, Fahrenheit 451 was mm-hmm. written by Ray Bradbury in the 50s. Um, because of what was going on with McCarthyism and the control of information and how that affects culture and how that affects us as a society mm-hmm. and as individuals, mm-hmm. how we how we are either growing or completely regressing. regressing based on whether or not we have access to information and the and the ability to create. Mm-hmm. information ourselves. So I find it funny that Christians, by and large, are the ones kind of pushing this book banning and book burning thing. Yet, they are more than willing to support organizations that sneak Bibles into countries where they're not allowed. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Ironic, isn't it? <laughs> it's because their book isn't objectionable from, their, right. from, from their, their perspective. From their perspective. And, right. and since we're talking about Christians, Car, why don't you bring us up to yes. date? With what happened on February 2nd, I think was when the actual fire was. So yes, Carr, tell us about the particular terrible person we're discussing today. The particular terrible person we're discussing today is, I hate to use the term in front of it, so I'm not going to. It's a guy named Greg Locke. Uh, and I hate to use that word in, in front of his right, name. Right, he doesn't deserve he it. He doesn't deserve it. He's just some dude named Greg Locke, who somehow through a diploma mill got a bachelor's master's and a doctorate in theology for a school that no longer even exists, but was run out of a church in Rhode Island. Mm. Mm-hmm. Promising. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. Great start. Yeah. He's, he's said a lot of really crappy stuff on the internet. And uh, this was kind of his, well, I, w- I wanted to say it was his latest thing, but it's actually not. He said stupid shit since this, but. <laughs> right. It's only been two weeks and he's already stepped in it again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, the book burning was kind of his thing. 
Now, if any of you all are from Tennessee, his church is in Mount Juliet. To give you an idea of kind of how small this place actually is, the road he is on is called Old Dirt Road, is the road that his church is on. So yeah, the guy's just an an imbecile, quite honestly. My understanding is he's one of the QAnon types. He is definitely a QAnon supporter. He's very much a Trumpster. He's anti-mask, anti-vaccine. He actually will throw people out of his church if they show up with a mask. And he uses that pulpit to push these ideas. Well, there's definitely not separation of church and state in his church at all. I would suggest, if you want to know a ton about him, I would suggest watching The Telltale Atheist on YouTube, Google, Telltale, Atheist, Greg Locke. He's been covering this guy for a long time. And yeah, and there's quite a few things on there about him. I've watched a ton of Telltale Atheists, so has Gwyn and Ode. Mm-hmm. And we fully support this guy. He is very well-researched mm-hmm. um, in everything that he talks about. So essentially what Greg Locke did, but what, 10 right, days yeah. ago? Uh, it was 12 days ago. Now. Yeah. So. He, he made this announcement at his church on a Sunday mm-hmm. that they were on their Wednesday service. Mm-hmm. They were going, he said, bring your Harry Potter, bring your bring Ouija your boards, bring your ed- everything. We're going to have a burning. A that, burning service. A burning service. And so they it had was Harry Potter and Twilight were his big ones. Right. And so they, they brought these people together mm-hmm. and they live streamed it. Yes. Yeah. Over, On Facebook, I think. Yeah. With the, yeah, that's the thing about this guy. He has he's very savvy when it comes to social media mm-hmm. and getting attention via the internet mm-hmm. because he live streamed this. He had something like over 14,000 people watching this. 15.7,000. Yeah. 15 Point seven thousand people watching this debacle as they threw shit on the fire. Although I will say there was one incredibly brave individual. Yes. Yes. Who was a counter protester to this. He was there with his husband. Yep. And threw a Bible on the fire mm-hmm. and then held up a copy of Fahrenheit 451 and Origin of Species. The, the and- funny thing is. <laughs> If you watch this, yes. So obviously this was live stream, so you can watch this incident. And the protest, the counter protester, was caught on the live stream, so you can watch yeah, this happen. Watch this whole thing. Yeah. Um, he throws the Bible on there, announces, "I just burned a Bible," and everyone cheers they because they're so caught up in the like the moment, the moment of everyone throwing their pagan artifacts, yeah. their witchcraft. They're on, throwing their on witchcraft, the fire. ridding themselves of these demons. And so he he announces, "I've." burned a Bible and everyone cheers. And he says, but I'm keeping my Darwin's origin of species and my copy of Fahrenheit 451. And it starts to get a little quieter and there's some murmuring. (laughs) And then like you can see, he's still not like, they still don't quite get it. So he finally, he rounds it out with hail Satan. (laughs) And starts walking out. And that's when they finally cotton on to, Oh wait. (laughs) Now I will admit watching the video at first, you're like, yes. You know, it became, it It becomes becomes scary. It becomes a little scary because a group of big men start surrounding him as he's trying to get back to his vehicle where Mm -hmm. his husband is waiting for him. Uh, as the getaway driver, uh-huh. <laughs> I would assume they're they're shouting at him, they're rebuking him, and mm-hmm. in, in Jesus' name, and what the and fuck. And he just ever. continues to hail Satan, hail back Satan, at them. hail Satan. And I thought he was incredibly brave because there yeah. were quite a few men surrounding him, and it was a huge crowd and, there and they at were the used, bonfire. And they were clearly blocking his way. They were trying to physically intimidate him with their presence mm-hmm. in such a loving Christian manner. But he finally makes it back to his truck. And he says, 
I just, do you want to hear my story? I was a Christian. Mm -hmm. My father's a minister. My father's a minister. Basically ends it with you people are the ones who are devils Mm -hmm. because of what you're doing and what you preach. Yeah. He was, it was honestly an incredibly moving and scary moment. (laughs) I would not want to have been that guy. It was incredibly brave. Yeah. Yeah. Probably the one thing that protected him was the fact that they were live streaming it. Exactly. There had not been cameras there. If people had not been recording. And his husband was recording it as well. I'm I'm not at all convinced that this would not have gone much worse. Oh, and I forgot. There was one, apparently, when the husband posted the video, he said, and we grossed them out by kissing before we left. Yes. And you can, you can, so you can actually see on one of the, the live streams, you can see them kiss. And in the background, some one of the men just starts like screaming in agony because yeah. he's been he's so disgusted he's so by what he's seen. <laughs> crazy. These people were crazy. They got caught up in what Greg Locke was doing. He was stirring up their anger. Mm-hmm. He was stirring up. He was saying shit like, you know, throw that on the fire, but don't breathe in the smoke or the devil will get back in you. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was insane stuff. The thing is, it wasn't even like just books. They were burning, like they burned a glassware set from the Disney villains. Mm-hmm. Like a set of four glasses that had like Maleficent printed on them. Mm-hmm. They threw those on the fire. Like somebody threw what looked like an antique clock. Mm-hmm away well disney's really evil because they no longer do night of joy well here's the thing you you can protest disney disney does definitely do some heinous bullshit Mm -hmm. but not that no not the thing (laughs) you're specifically complaining about and the specific theme of that night was the occult Mm -hmm. and he just specifically was trying to make a statement about how they were going to burn these objects of the devil Mm -hmm. and and witchcraft Mm -hmm. and things like that It, it was just people really got into this whole thing yeah well and as we stated this is nothing new so no, exactly. Gwen and I are old enough to have gone through the satanic panic. Mm-hmm. You know, I think we've talked about it on the podcast before, but at one point there was a two guys who came to my church that I went to called the Peters Brothers who talked about back masking on albums and, you know, how bad shit was for you. And then they had us throw our vinyl, which we were instructed to bring in all of our non-Christian music into the intercoastal waterway, which is two bad things. A, I lost a copy of the Beatles' White Album, so that sucked. But B, I polluted a fucking waterway. As you say, littering. (laughs) Mm -hmm. By throwing vinyl in it. So it's absolutely crazy. This is the one thing that disturbed me the most of what that man said during this night or before this night or whatever it was. He said, we have a constitutional right and a biblical right to do what we're doing tonight. We have a burn permit, but even without one, a church has a religious right to burn occultic materials that they deem are a threat to their religious rights and freedoms and belief systems. How is any of that a threat to them? Well, first of all, it's not. No, Um, not at all. Second of all, they don't. They can burn their own property all Mm -hmm. they want. They can't burn my property. Nope. No matter how occult it is. Nope. The great thing is, like, fine. Go out and buy a bunch of copies of Twilight and then set it all on fire. Please, buy Jason Mankey's new book and set it up always. Stop it. Well, I'm just saying, like, if they all go do that, Jason Mankey's going to sell a shit ton of books. And Mankey (laughs) makes money on that. Yeah, that's true. Um, true. So here's something, right? They burned a bunch of copies of Harry Potter. Mm Mm-hmm. I think it's stupid for them to burn Harry Potter because Harry Potter is a fantasy story. Exactly. That does not teach anyone real witchcraft. Not at all. (laughs) But 
like if you are a trans person and you want to personally burn your copies of Harry Potter to like release the influence JK Rowling has on your life, fucking go for it. Mm-hmm. They're your books. You bought them, do what you want with them. Exactly. But you can't stop other people from continuing to own and read Harry Potter. And I think that's the thing is that they seem to believe that they can do that, that they have, you know, that they can somehow stop the consumption of material. And that is the whole point of book burning and book Book banning is that they want to prevent people from reading things that don't agree with their ideology and worldview, their worldview. Exactly. Thanks to our Tiger Solanox for introducing us to Weavers of the Web, an interfaith pagan ATC, that's Aquarian Tabernacle Church, organized in Lansing, Michigan. Weavers of the Web is a public Wiccan church that aims to be family-friendly, supportive, and informative, with the goal of ensuring that no one ever need be alone in their spiritual needs. Weavers is currently raising funds for the down payment on our property, which would allow them to expand their current network of resources, including dedicated community space, a permanent home for the pagans in need food pantry, and a lending library. Join them online or in person for regular events, including rituals and discussion groups at weaversoftheweb.org or on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Weaver's ATC. Hail Dictinus. Hail Dictinus. And your voice is getting deeper it is. as the night goes on. <laughs> yes, it is. I'm talking more. Yep. Oh my We're going to set some things on fire. Hail Dictinus. Now, I think the important thing to get back to is that while as sensational, quote unquote, right. as this event was, what he did and what the people who support him did mm-hmm. that night is really a tiny blip. Up right now on the radar of what's going on as far as what people are trying to suppress. Yeah. People are trying to suppress the reality of the Holocaust again. Yes. Anti-Semitism is on the rise again. Racism. Racism is running rampant. And so books that are, you know, empowering to black people or to any person of color or to women or queer people, those are trying to be repressed Mm -hmm. from children. Because the thing is, if these children are exposed to gender equality, Mm -hmm. to equality in marriage, to to, to racial equity, all of the things that could bring us into a better place as a country. Right, that could move us forward as a society. Yeah, that could move us forward. Those children, if they get those ideals into their hearts and into their minds, as adults, they are the ones who then work to bring it about mm-hmm. by getting the jobs and the positions and the leadership and teaching the young ones that come after them. Mm-hmm. That's how it works, which is why people like this Locke and mm-hmm. others like him, whether and the legislators and the, le- and the yeah the school legislators, boards, the school boards, and- the people who want to maintain or regress us mm-hmm. as a society back to what they think is some kind of weird golden era, yeah. golden right. fantasy. It's a fantasy exactly. that people are are thinking existed and they want to recreate, but it never did. But what we can do is move forward into a place where there's more equity and just a more fair society. I suggest everybody go to the National Coalition Against Censorship website. That's ncac.org. 
and take a look at it. You can actually look up what's been censored by state. They also do a great job of responding to school boards and that kind of stuff. So just north of Greg Locke, there is a school board in Tennessee that has banned mouse. Yes. What? Mouse, M-A-U-S. Oh, It's a graphic novel about the Holocaust. Yes. And they have banned it because it has six curse words Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and has a partially nude mouse, actually. But that said, one of the things I wanted to bring up about this is they wrote a really great letter, and I thought I would read just a snippet of what their letter said. So they wrote this to the district school board. Mouse is the only graphic novel to have ever won a Pulitzer Prize. Entertainment Weekly listed it at seventh place on their list of the top 100 reads from 1983 to 2008. Time placed it at seventh on their list of best nonfiction books between 1923 and 2005. It is a clearly a highly valuable book which relates directly to the major topic of study in the 20th century history and was the central educational resource for the district's curriculum on that topic. If any book should not be removed without following the district's well-designed challenge policy, it is Mouse. And that's because they didn't actually obey their own damn policy. They just took it off the shelf. Arbitrarily removed it? Correct. Mm-hmm. So like no one was was permitted to submit comments or anything? Mm-hmm. Nope. They did it in a school board meeting and the school board just did it without any, taking any uh, comments from the people that were there. The public, the, the, the librarians, the attendants. And they did that because it was, it was, they knew they would come up against people who wanted to keep that book available. For so, very extremely valid reasons. Exactly. Yep. And so they used their arbitrary power to overrule and overstep that Mm -hmm. to do what they want. And that is the problem. Therein lies the problem. And it is, I think, very notable, Car. yeah, that they overstepped their own rulings. Yeah. Right. Their their own system. And that's something that's very relevant to this topic, to the topic of censorship in general, to the topic of book bans specifically, Mm -hmm. is that this is one of many symptoms Mm -hmm. that we are seeing in our country and around the world of rising authoritarianism. Yes, exactly. Of people who want all power to be concentrated in the hands of one or a very few individual powerful people to mm-hmm. whom they just abdicate all moral responsibility. Mm-hmm. And that way lies well, we know what lies that way. Nazi Germany is what lies that way. That's exactly. Stalin is what lies that way. Mussolini is what lies that way. We know exactly what authoritarianism looks like, and we don't want it. Exactly. Right. And what is that quote? Uh, Those who forget their history are doomed to repeat it. Mm-hmm. That there's a reason that that was stated, and that that is a truism because we are seeing as you know time has passed how many years now since world war 2 mm-hmm. over 70 i think it's been less than a century it's been less than a century but we're already seeing you know the nazi ideology mm-hmm. never quite disintegrate. It never died the ignominious death it deserves. Exactly. So it's just been slowly germinating in the background in racist groups Mm -hmm. and whether it's these little fascist Mm -hmm. uh, militias, enclaves, enclaves and things like that. It's just been growing and growing and growing. And in recent years, it has been given a voice Mm -hmm. so that more and more people, it it is sounding 
appealing to them Mm -hmm. because they're doing exactly what Hitler did back in the day. He appealed to people's sense of they that they were personally their sense of moral injustice, moral injustice. And there was, you know, he made it about emotion and about and fear and fear. And he built on that to get to the place where Nazi Germany became the Third Reich. Mm -hmm. And we had the horrible reality. You hear me, people, the reality of the Holocaust and, and its devastating effect on the Jewish people as and the gay people and all the people who were affected by that. There was in 1932 in Germany, an institute, I don't remember the exact name of it, but there was an institute that was studying transgender topics Mm -hmm. and sexuality. It was extremely progressive for its time. It was looking into early forms of gender and sex reassignment. It was uh, the most advanced sexual institute that existed in the world at that time. And the next year, in 1933, Nazi Germany eradicated it and destroyed all of its records. And that's what book burning, book mm-hmm. banning, that's what happens. That's what they want to do. People who want control, people who want power, they eradicate what could be used against their agenda. Mm-hmm. Finn is saying, sadly, Nazi Germany modeled their laws of segregation and genocide mm-hmm. from Jim Crow and the Trail of Tears. Uh-huh. Hello? You know, yeah. yeah no. This the United is nothing... States is not exempt of no, this. No, yeah. not at all. It happened in South Africa with apartheid. After years, you know, of, of apartheid and, and Nelson Mandela in jail as a political mm-hmm. prisoner, when it was finally defeated, they destroyed all kinds of records mm-hmm. and all kinds of histories and stories and the testimony of people and thing, anything that could be held against them, mm-hmm. they utterly destroyed so that they could have some way of controlling the narrative. Luckily, there were enough people alive to be able to combat that attempt. Yep. You know. Why do you think the Holocaust Museum has an entire section of its archive that's just dedicated to people's oral histories exactly. of the Holocaust? Exactly. What the families went through. And, and and I'm not forgetting, you know, the people that stepped in, people who, you know, Germans who stepped in to, to help people. But it pales in comparison to what happened to the, the victims mm-hmm. of, of yeah. this mass genocide. And it starts like this. It does. That's the thing. It starts with propaganda. It starts with a group or or a person, somebody who has some kind of charisma or authority mm-hmm. or power, picking someone to become a scapegoat. To be a target. To be a target. It, and we're seeing it. And it's happening. It's mm-hmm. happening in this country. And so I don't want to be alarmist. No. Right? But I do want us to be very conscious of the fact that When history doesn't repeat, it sure as fuck does rhyme. Mm -hmm. And we're in a rhyming moment right now. We really are. Things that are happening right now in our world are familiar in all the wrong ways. Mm -hmm. And we do not want to get back to a point where we have to recreate where we were in World War II. No. We do not want that to be our new reality. So we need to make some serious actions Mm -hmm. now 
now, to prevent that from recurring. Now, that doesn't mean we have to put ourselves in danger necessarily like that man and his husband did. Right, though oh, extraordinarily that was incredibly brave. Incredibly brave. He, they went there by themselves. Mm-hmm. And for the people who are brave enough to do that, I commend them. you, absolutely. And I, But I don't shame anyone who doesn't no. have that courage. Exactly. But there are other things that we can do. Mm-hmm. We can, if you find out that a school board in your area right. is, or a library or somebody is trying to ban a book or a, a, you know, a list. A list. A It'll list, be a long list. A long probably. list of books. You know, do what you can to, to if you can vote, mm-hmm. if you can go to a meeting, if you can voice your opinion. Make your voice heard. Make your voice heard. And if they do like that one group did and just ban them anyway, mm-hmm. find a way to make it accessible. Yeah, exactly. That uh, website that I told everybody to go to mm-hmm. does have a link on there called Report Censorship. And if you find out about it, you can report it and they'll do the research and handle it. And do the the legal work. Correct, yes. And in the meantime, do make community libraries. Like yes. there are those little library boxes that people put up in, mm-hmm. in neighborhoods where you just like, it just has a little glass door on it and you put a bunch of books in there and it's sort of the honor system, right? People mm-hmm. put books in and take books out. Mm-hmm. Does that mean someone will probably walk off with a book and not return another one? Yeah, but so be okay. it. That means they got a book that they were interested in and they wanted to keep. Mm-hmm. Like yep. make books and manuscripts, and we need to make these things accessible. Yeah. Make these resources as accessible and available as possible. Mm-hmm. And especially, God, it's frustrating. Even researching this topic, I ran into like. 12 paywalls just trying to read the news about it. So whenever possible, when you have the time, resources, and mental availability, try to make that information that's behind paywalls available outside of paywalls. Summarize the Mm -hmm. New York Times article you just read on a blog somewhere so that people who don't have the money to pay for the New York Times paywall can at least get a summary of what the fuck is going on in the world. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, like buy a book and put it in one of those lending libraries whatever like mm-hmm. capitalism is making it harder and harder yeah. to fight these things and support your local library and archive visit Birmingham violin studio where our tiger Kirsten Gill has been teaching violin to anyone ages seven and up for the last 20 years Kristen Taylor's each lesson specifically to the student and since all people are unique individuals with their own learning style rather than teaching from a single method or book Kristen uh, teaches you how you need to learn. She also has a master's in violin performance and has played with professional ensembles, including Orchestra Iowa, the Florida Grand Opera, the Palm Beach Symphony, and the Arkansas Symphony Orchestra, as well as Casey and the Sunshine Band, the Beach Boys, and a pre-American idol, Kelly Clarkson. Due to social distancing, the Birmingham Violin Studio has pivoted providing online instruction. And Kirsten is offering listeners of Three Pagans and a Cat their first two lessons free when they sign up for two months of lessons. Hail Dictinus! Hail Dictinus! The book that I am listening to right now on Audible, it's also available on Amazon and Kindle and in uh, you know hard copy form. It's called Burning the Books, A History of the Deliberate Destruction of Knowledge by Richard Ovenden. 
And uh, in this case, it's read by Simon Slater. And it, it gives a history of, of what we're talking about. But it also talks about that he's an archivist. So he's uh, he's concerned about things like paywalls mm-hmm. and uh, things that are limiting people's ability to access information because of you have to pay for it. Mm-hmm. And so one of the things he's stressing so far, and I'm only a few chapters in, is that we need to support our local libraries. There are many, many libraries, hundreds of libraries every year are getting shut down because they simply don't have the funding because the first thing that goes on the budget for library. public policymakers when they have a, a when their budgets are restricted, it's going to be libraries. And we are not advocating stealing information like from authors, writers and things like that. If you can afford to, to buy the books mm-hmm. and get through the paywalls and, and do read, that, do that. But if you can't, someone <laughs> needs to make that information available to you somehow. <laughs> Continuing to, to complain about the, the problems of capitalism uh, impacting accessibility, the Internet Archive, mm-hmm. right, had a copy of Mouse that they were making just freely available mm-hmm. because that's what the Internet Archive does. Right. And the publisher had been ignoring this forever. Mm-hmm. But now, because Mouse has been recently banned and suddenly sales of it, individual sales of Mouse have gone up, they uh, ordered the Internet Archive to not just take it down, but to destroy their digital file of Mouse. And their stated reason was so that they would make more money from physical sales. Mm -hmm. And that's some hot bullshit. And that is what this author is uh, one of the things that he's, Mm-hmm. talking against is that you know not only do we have to worry about committees and individuals and, mm-hmm. and burning and banning books um, we have but to worry about we, companies we have to worry about companies who own the rights preventing people from getting access to Res- important information yeah. restricting access so they can make more money yeah and so that is also something that we have to contend with mm-hmm. so none of these are problems that we have immediate solutions for but they are problems that can be solved and that we will and must solve in the coming years because eventually we are going to run out of time. Yeah. So that's that's why we felt like it was important to discuss this. And one of the reasons is I, I wrote my blog post on Pythios mm-hmm. Pagan about this issue because I had read a post by John Beckett mm-hmm. and by Jason Mankey, and they were both discussing this issue. They came at it from very different perspectives, mm-hmm. I feel. And I tried to go... And they came to different conclusions. And they came to different conclusions. But I think ultimately, they they do agree. You have to do... If you see something going on, you do need to respond to it in some way. Mm-hmm. Whether it is, you know, forceful or whether or not, or whether you kind of hang back and observe what's going on. Uh, and, or be a good example to people of how you should be. It, it depends on how what works best for you or how you feel about the situation. I feel like there's a more of a middle road to go where, yes, we want to, as witches and pagans and magical persons, especially with this whole thing with Greg Locke, it, it feels kind of threatening. Mm-hmm. But I don't think that's something that we have to worry about at this time. I don't think we're going to see witches on the pyre next. No, no, we're not going to see witches... Being, but um, we might see Jews. Yeah, that's the thing, I think, is we need to be paying attention not only to our own community, but also to what's going on to our neighbors around us, mm-hmm. our black and brown neighbors, our, our LGBTQ neighbors. We need to make sure that we are working on inclusion mm-hmm. in our own communities and working together to combat 
these kind of racist and horrible fascist fascist ideologies that are starting to gain ground around us. Mm-hmm. Uh, Finn says, well, my Libby app, which is a library app, has removed mouse. Hmm. Yep, that's probably because the company uh, wants you to buy yep. it. Wants you to buy it. Thank you, Penguin Random House. Yeah. Yep. So, I mean, unfortunately, that is that is also part of the reality that we have to deal with is that, um, you know, there is there are people who will, to make a buck, mm-hmm. you know, remove access. remove access. Which is why we need to do things like those little community libraries or making your personal collection of books available to the people in your community mm-hmm. or, you know, this is, these are, we got to solve this on a grassroots level because mm-hmm. capitalism won't let us solve it on a, an institutional one. Mm-hmm. Right. But I think one of the things that we did want to dispel was fear. Yes. I don't think that, like I said, I, I'm not trying to be alarmist here. I'm really not. I am concerned mm-hmm. about the rising levels of authoritarianism and fascism Mm -hmm. in the United States and around the world. Agreed. I find those things very concerning. I think they need to be dealt with seriously as serious existential Mm -hmm. threats. But I do not think that next week you're going to see a witch on Greg Locke's bonfire. Right. Okay. So don't worry about that. Mm -hmm. Worry about the more intangible dangers that this represents. And I don't feel like ignoring people like Greg Locke is helpful. No. I think it's important to speak against what he stands for. Um, El says be gay, do crimes. (laughs) (laughs) I think it is important to support that amazing couple that went Mm -hmm. and protested what was going on. I think it is important to, you know, to speak out against book burning and book banning and, and, Mm -hmm. and against these companies that are making access difficult for people. Mm -hmm. We have to stand in solidarity for knowledge mm-hmm. and the passing of knowledge on to others. Yep. And I think that is another reason why we have to make sure people understand the importance of reading and being able to read and to write and to understand what it is you are reading. And it's why we need to make books accessible in other ways yes. than in just reading them with your eyes because people who are blind or who have various kinds of learning disabilities may find that difficult. So So I'm a huge fan of audiobooks. Yeah, audiobooks are great. We need to find other ways for people to access this information. Mm -hmm. We need to make information as durable as Mm -hmm. possible, I guess is the thing. Not Mm -hmm. just accessible, but durable Mm -hmm. so that it lasts past us. Exactly. And so, and different interpretations of that material mm-hmm. that's out there. That's how these things grow yeah. and, and change and new ideas are birthed mm-hmm. from, from former ideas. It's because somebody read something and it sparked an idea mm-hmm. or they heard something and it sparked an idea and they went on to create something new. based on that new information. It doesn't have to be writing. It can be art. It can be music. As humans, we're constantly remixing our experiences. Exactly. Or it could be something that encourages someone to go and run for office, Mm -hmm. to try to right some of the wrongs that people like Greg Locke and others are attempting to perpetrate. Mm -hmm. So we could probably rant on this topic forever. So I think Mm -hmm. we're going to wrap it up here. So (laughs) Carr, would you lead us out? You've been listening to Three Pagans and a Cat. You can find us by, I don't know, opening up your internet browser, typing in the word google.com. And then when it brings up the little box where you can search shit, Just type in the number three and the letters P-A-A-C and a bunch of shit will show up. (laughs) 
<laughs> so it will. And so, so it will indeed. We will see you all next week. Yep. With a hopefully less frustrating topic. Yep. And uh, do what you can to uh, share knowledge. Mm-hmm. Yep. Whether it's yours or something you've learned from somebody else, make reading materials or or make knowledge. some knowledge you have access to available. more accessible more to accessible. other people. Yep. However you choose to do that. Exactly. We encourage everyone to do that. Yep. And go to that website Carr talked about. Yep. And get uh, involved in the fight against censorship. And get involved in the local legal battles Mm -hmm. in your area. Mm -hmm. Or like, there are several really bad bills in the United States right now. The Earn It Act and the Don't Say Gay Bill. Fight both of those. Yep. And uh, when Roe v. Wade is inevitably challenged challenged and hopefully not, but... Protest the shit. Protest the shit out of their attempts to overturn it. All right. Goodbye, all. We We love love you. you. Next week. Bye.